today. Turn over the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Joshua, chapter 24. I'm going to be reading beginning in verse 11. Verse 11. 2015. Isn't it hard to believe that we have arrived at that milestone? 2015. If I said, how many of you were born before uh, 1950? Don't raise your hands. Wow, that's been a long time ago, right? I mean, who are we kidding? That's, That's a long time ago. How many were born before 1960 and then 1970? And you start to think about, boy, that's a long time ago. Now, in our minds, it's not very long ago, is it? I mean, some of us that have been living a few years, we look back and we go, wow, that was like yesterday. But boy, it's been a number of years now. And God's been good to us. And today we want to look at a passage in the book of Joshua chapter 24 that is going to take us on a journey. And we want to look at that journey and ultimately set us up for the future. And so let's begin reading Joshua chapter 24, verse 11. And he went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho uh, Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornets before you which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. 
And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted, excuse me, which ye planted not, do ye eat. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight. And preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. It was just over 20 years ago that... Sherry and I stepped out on a fantastic journey, an amazing journey. You say marriage? No, the ministry. We were led to begin the Community Baptist Temple, and I still remember the last service that we attended in our former church, and the pastor was gracious enough to permit me the opportunity to preach and to share as we were being sent off to fulfill the will and purpose of God for our life. And I still to this day remember the title of that message. Rings in my ears and I never forget it. It was entitled, Guaranteed Success. Guaranteed Success. Following the service, they had a reception making this momentous occasion in our lives special. And they had a cake there. And on that cake, they had a statement or a phrase or a saying. It said, A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. A Chinese philosopher supposedly came up with that statement. He lived way back there in 604 B.C. or was born then. But nonetheless, it appears that that statement or that that, uh, wisdom, if you will, began way back there and now we have it today. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a a single step. As simple and as obvious as the statement may seem, it's true nonetheless, is it not? Thousands of steps have been taken through the years and they still all go back to the first step. No first step, no others. It's just the way it is. This morning, we're brought face to face with a people who are confronted with a choice. They're confronted with a first step, if you will. They're going to be expected to respond one way or the other. And that is exactly what each of us will be expected to do before the morning's over. We find Israel, who had been delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage. God had supernaturally came to their aid. And before we know it, they're out of Egypt and crossing the Red Sea. 
God takes them to the mount where they receive the word of God. And now this people is given direction and leadership. Not only do they now have the, 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 the fire uh, being led by the pillar of fire at night and the pillar of cloud during the day, but now they even have the very word of God itself. They've been given an opportunity to enter a promised land. A land that God would give them that flowed with milk and honey. A land that surpassed any of their wildest dreams. But unfortunately they had a faith failure. And they missed the boat. So as a result Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. In the book of Psalm chapter 78 verse 19. The Bible says yea they spoke against God. Isn't it amazing that God delivered them out of Egypt, that God had provided for them so supernaturally, and yet they spake against God. And they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? What they were really saying is, can God truly feed us and care for us and meet our every need in this wilderness? And so for 40 years, God proved it. Proved that He could. Manna. Water from the rock. Clothes on their back and shoes on their feet that lasted a lifetime. Moses dies. After 40 years of wandering, right on the precipice of entering into the promised land, he is now dead. And Joshua is called upon by God to step into his shoes, fill them. And ultimately lead the people of God into the promised land. Joshua leads them over the Jordan. To a great defeat over Nineveh. And ultimately into battle with the enemies of those nations in that land. And as we noted, God delivered them. Supernaturally intervening on their behalf. After leading the people of God for what appears to be over 20 years, he addresses them in chapter 24 of Joshua. And that is where we are now in our passage. After leading them all those years, he finally makes his closing statements. And as you just noted and read, we heard them. First of all, in the passage, he provides them with a reminder. In verses 11 through 13, we saw that reminder. He begins to remind them that God delivered them. That it wasn't just their sword, it wasn't just their spears. It was God that delivered them supernaturally. He even sent in hornets to chase out the people. Can you imagine that? I don't know about you, but I remember one time, me and my brothers and my dad were out shooting. Shooting what? Guns. You know the thing that we're allowed to have in America? We're allowed to have those, remember? It's the bad people that shouldn't have them, not the good people. But nonetheless, and there's no way to keep the guns out of the bad people. You say getting political, too bad. When you're preaching, you can say what you want next time. But the fact is, is this. We were out there, we had these little 22 pistol and dad was trying to help us to learn how safety of weapons and be very careful because a gun's not something you play with. It's not a toy. It's not some child's play. It's serious business. People can be hurt, killed even. Man, I mean, it was serious business, you know. 
He was in the military. He was a, he was a Marine, you know, so he knew all the ins and outs, and he was real serious about all that stuff, and I'm glad he was, you know. But anyway, he takes us out there, and he, he has a stand here, and the rest of us stand behind, and he aims and fire. Oh, didn't mean to do that. Some of you got nervous. But anyway, he, he, he aims and fires, and, and man, I mean, he hits the target. We're all, wow, wow. You know, and he's like, all right, who's up next? And my brother Ed was the oldest. And so he said, all right, Ed, now you come on up here. And he goes, now you need to be very careful. The safety's on, you know. And as soon as you're ready to fire, take the safety off. And then, you know, point and, and, and all that good stuff. He was being very careful with it. Showed us a number of times how to do it. And uh, so anyway, my brother, he takes the weapon in his hand. And he, he's, he's, he said, now make sure you're always facing forward, you know. Never turn the, you know, all that stuff. We're behind you. You know, all the stuff you should teach and share. And so my brother, he takes it. He says, all right, remove the safety. All right, point the gun. All right, now, now settle down. Just relax. Take a couple deep breaths. And all of a sudden, a little bee flew around. <laughs> you got to understand, my brother is deathly afraid of bees. At least he was when he was younger. And I mean to tell you, all of a sudden, without notice, my brother's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And my dad's like, put the gun down, put the gun down. And we're all laying on the ground now. He was going buck wild. He lost his mind. And my dad finally gets the gun away from him and pushes him over and says, What are you doing? You imagine that? He was four years old. No, I'm joking. He wasn't four. But he was so afraid of bees and he went crazy. And that gun was going everywhere. And listen, the Lord takes hornets. You say, that's crazy, little beast. Have you ever been stung by hornets, though? Man, those things are furious. They're, they're wicked. He literally chased people out of their country with hornets. Wow. Now, I don't know why I told that story, but it sure was, came back to me very vividly. And, but the, the fact is, is that those things are dangerous, those bees, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so forth. And so nonetheless, here they are chasing the, 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 the nations out even. He says, listen, it wasn't you, it was me. And he's reminding them of how he supernaturally intervened on their behalf. He's reminding them how he provided for them in the wilderness. He's reminding them of all the good that he's done on their behalf. He says, look what God has done. Then we see the responsibility in verse 14. He shares with the people. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye. The Lord, He said, listen, you've got a responsibility. Now therefore, as a result of the fact of what God has done for you, as a result of the fact of how good God's been to you, it's time now for you to serve Him. You have a responsibility to do so. After all that he's done, do we not owe him? Are we not obligated to serve? We see the reminder, the responsibility, but we note the requirement then. Verse 15. Although we're obligated to serve, we're not forced to serve. (laughs) However, there is a requirement to choose. Yeah. Amen. You, you hear what I just said? We're not, we may be obligated to serve, but we're not required or for, I mean, we're not forced to serve. However, there is a requirement to choose. Everyone, everyone must make a choice. Note the question one more time. In 
Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he says, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now the reference to the other side of the flood most likely refers to the, the, the great Euphrates River. Not really the biblical account of the flood. You say, well, I'll disagree with you. Well, then you prove, it, prove me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to argue with anybody. I'm telling you that when you look at the Bible and you begin to study it, you realize that the passage more than likely points to a day and time that the people of God were very aware of and whose forefathers were alive at the time. It's not what happened on the other side of the flood. It's what was going on in the lives of ancient Mesopotamia at that time when Abraham lived along with his family on the other side of the great Euphrates River. Because, see, Abraham was called out of the Ur of Chaldees which is a place on the other side of the great Euphrates River. And those rivers are often referred to as floods. Waters are floods. So I don't think there's a a disconnect. And at first, for years, I thought, this has to be referring back to the flood. But I'm not convinced of that anymore as I study it because we find that all of Israel's history is wrapped up in what's taking place here right now. He's referring to their history. He's giving them an account of what transpired and took place in their nation, in their genealogy. And the fact is, is that Israel wasn't an entity till after Abraham, who became the first Hebrew. Therefore, everything begins with Abraham. So this flood that we see, more than likely, as I say, I'm not going to stand dogmatic and say, you're wrong if you don't agree, but I'm saying it primarily, I believe without doubt, refers to that place in the Ur Chaldees on the other side of the flood, which was the great Euphrates River. Because there in ancient Mesopotamia, the culture in which Abraham was raised, it was one of sophisticated mythology and idolatry. He was not raised in a Christian home. He was raised by idolaters. Abraham was called out from among his family. Some of you may know something about that. The fact is that Abraham grew up in a very idolatrous culture and was ultimately told to move away. And when he did, he left by faith to follow God who led him to where? Canaan. Where ultimately the people of God would dwell. But the fact is that idolatry would always be found as a way of life in the Israelites' life. They struggled to get away from it forever. They continually went back to it when things didn't go their way. Even after everything that God had done for Israel, they always seemed to find their way back to idolatry. That's where their roots lied. When they were in bondage in Egypt, the Hebrew people reverted back to their idolatrous ways. You say, what? What are you talking about? Why would God deliver them? Because they, he wanted them to serve him. Some of you were in idolatry before you came to Christ. Why did he come after you? Because he wanted you to serve him. 
Notice what happens in the verse 14. He says simply this. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, ancient Mesopotamia, there on the other side of Euphrates, and in Egypt. His fa- their father served at idols in Egypt? The people of God? You're talking about the Hebrew race? Yep, indeed. That's what he just said there. Are you guys, he says, going to go ahead and serve like uh, those, those same gods that your fathers did in Egypt? That's amazing, isn't it? We often wonder, why did they always go back to these idols? Because that's what they were weaned on. And you know what? You and I go back to the things we grew up on. We go back to the things we're most comfortable with. Whether that's idolatry or whether that's Christ. Either way, whatever we're taught is the most simple thing to go back to when times get tough. That's why it's so important, Mom and Dad, that you raise your children in a nurturing environment for Christ. Otherwise, they'll go back to what you've trained them to be. You say, well, it doesn't guarantee they won't even if they are. Well, we can argue that all day. It doesn't really matter. But the fact is, I'll guarantee you this. If a child's raised in a drunkard's home, he's likely, when hard times come, to follow that same example. I'm just saying, be careful. I'm not saying it has to be that way. God obviously can break the cycle. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know in my own life. I see that I go back to things I was raised in. Attitudes, outlook, the way I respond and act to things sometimes. I see my dad in me. I see my mom in me. Not all of it's bad either, by the way. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the good and the bad they get. Not just the good. We have to be careful. So when they're in bondage, we find that they reverted back to idolatry even then. So Joshua's requiring these Jews to choose who they're going to serve now. I mean, either serve the God who delivered you from Egypt and planted you in this new land, serve the God that Abraham and his descendants, or serve the God that Abraham and his descendants worshipped back in ancient Mesopotamia, or possibly serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. Or, or you can choose to serve the gods of your forefathers in Egypt. It's up to you, he says. But either way, we're required to choose. And you know what? So are we. They were, we are. We need to choose who we'll serve to. Either the God who delivered us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and ultimately the very presence of sin, or serve the God who provided you with peace, purpose, and a future paradise. It's your choice, my choice. Or we can choose to serve <clears throat> the gods of our fathers, our forefathers, who placed the pursuit of worldly possessions and pleasures and philosophies over that of the Creator. Or we can serve the gods of our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, professors, or even religious leaders. We have that choice. But just because, remember this, and this is important, just because something is important doesn't mean it is worthy of worship. You need to be very careful with this. Because, see, there were many things I was taught was important in life, but found later it wasn't worth worshiping. Like money. If you've ever heard my father's testimony, you'll find that at one point in his life he'll admit that he worshiped money. I was taught it was very important how to provide for your family and that you do this, 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 and this and that you make it this way and that way and it has to be this way and that way. And I'm going to tell you something. I found out just because it's important doesn't mean it's worthy of worship. 
doesn't mean it's worthy of taking God off the throne and putting it in its place or in His place. You have to be careful with that. Just because mom or dad believe a certain way religiously or have are inclined to lean a certain way as far as God is concerned or the Word of God is concerned doesn't mean because it's important to respect and honor your parents that you put them above God. You be careful. I know folks that don't come to Christ because they're afraid that they'll disappoint their parents. My parents raised me to be this religion. I'm afraid to follow Christ because I disappoint and break my parents' heart. Something may be good, but that doesn't mean it's worthy of worship. Be very careful. I want you to note also in that passage, verse 15 again, it makes it perfectly clear that everyone will serve God or gods. Watch what it says here again. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the, okay, wait a second, whether the gods, see that, whether the gods, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What he's saying is, you've got a choice to make. You can serve the God or you can serve God's. And, and let me, you say, why is that so important? Because this is an absolute. There, there's no place in this passage for neutrality. I'm not taking a stand either way. I'm not choosing for or against God. I, I, I'm not going to serve God's. I know I'm no idolater, but I'm not going to choose to serve God either. I'm not going to give my whole life to God. I'm not going to yield myself wholeheartedly to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to serve or bow down and worship God's. The passage teaches that you either serve big G God or God's. If today you are not serving God, putting Him in His rightful place in your life, then guess what? You have substituted Him with other gods or for other gods. You've placed God's ahead of God. Because that's what the Bible teaches. And that's exactly what he's saying to the people here, to Israel. He's saying, listen, you've got a choice to make today. You're either going to serve God's little g, or you're going to serve big g God. The one who delivered you, the one who provided for you, the one who protected you, the one that delivered you out of Egypt and ultimately into the promised land. It's up to you. You can serve those little gods of the Amorites. You can serve the little gods that were worshipped on the other side of the flood. You can serve the little gods that we served back in Egypt. But let me tell you something. You're going to serve gods, or you're going to serve God. That's what he's saying. Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We could ask the question, who are you really serving today? You say, well, I'm not really sold out with Jesus Christ, but I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty decent person. I'm pretty religious. I'm pretty spiritual. Okay, but who are you really serving? Who are you taking orders from? Who are you really following? Good question, isn't it? It's a question we have to ask ourselves every single day. Every day we wake up, we have to ask ourselves, who are we going to follow? Who are we going to serve? Who's going to give us the, the direction? That we need? Who's going to tell us where we need to go, what we need to do, and how we need to do it? 
You see the response in verse 16. Notice their response. What a wonderful response. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. They understood it's one or the other. If I forsake the Lord, we will be serving gods because the fact is we do. We always serve something, someone. And there's only one big G God. That's Creator God, Jehovah God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see their response. A good response, a wonderful response, a godly response, a biblical response. God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. So what are they saying? We're going to serve the Lord. That's a great response. Do you know that our choice is individual? It's individual. In In verse 15, if we would go back, Joshua, he says this. He says, but as for me, as for me. That's the first thing he says. It doesn't do you any good to try to fix your family, sir. Get that out of your head. You've got to fix yourself first. Amen. I, my kids need to read the Bible. Do you? My kids, I believe they need to be in church. Are you? I like when my kids are faithful to the youth group. Are you faithful to your activities? Are you involved in your service? I mean, what, what, what are we talking about here? He said, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord, Joshua said. See, that was the first resolve. He had made up his mind. As an individual, he made the choice, the decision. And he has to make a decision. Because if he doesn't serve big G God, he's going to serve little G gods. I want my wife and my children and my family to be godly. And, but, 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 you know, I, I like football. And football season is a tough time, especially with playoffs and your cowboys are playing this afternoon, and I don't have a DVR, and I just expressed my particular situation. Let me tell you something. I've been telling people all week, I want to see that game, boy. I believe that's going to be the game, man. I wonder. And you say, well, yeah, the preacher, you got paid to be here. Guarantee I never got here before I made that choice to say, as for me. Because nobody would ever put me in this spot if I hadn't already been in that spot. Make a choice. At first, it's individual. But next, we understand that it's inclusive. See, when a man makes a decision on behalf of God and rejects little g gods and says, I'm going to serve him, big G, guess what? It will affect the whole. The whole. It will affect the whole. It's for me and my house, he said. See, now he has a platform by which to share. Now he can say with authority, listen, this is what we're going to do because this is what I already do. I'm not asking you to do something I don't do. I'm not saying do as I say. I'm saying do as I do. Big difference. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But not only is our choice individual, our choice inclusive, but our choice is influential. Notice again in verse 16 through 18, you can see that the people of God then based on the expression of Joshua, based on the decision that he made as an individual and ultimately inclusively as a home and family, they stepped in and said, you know what, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to follow that example. We want what he wants for his family. We want it for ours. Just always keep in mind, 
that the decision you make as an individual affects your home and family, but then it also affects everybody else around you. And finally, we see their response, yes, but notice the reason for the response. Verse 17. What a powerful, powerful thing it is. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up out, up, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, for the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. They said, man, who are we going to serve? Are you kidding me? We're going to serve the Lord. After everything that he did for us, after he delivered us out of Egypt, after he placed us in the promised land, after he delivered our enemies into our hands, how can we do anything but serve him? They chose to serve the Lord for the same reason that we ought to. And that's gratitude for all that God's done for us. In 1 John 4.19, the Bible says, for We love Him because He first loved us. And we know that if we love Him, we'll keep His commandments. And we serve the Lord. We, we give our life to the Lord. We allow Him to direct our steps. We allow Him to have preeminence in our life. Not because we're any different than anyone else. Not because we don't have flesh. Not because we don't have desires and dreams. Not because we don't want to see certain things happen in our life. Not because we have no ambition do that because he deserves and is owed our very best he deserves everything i've got after all that he's done he deserves me to follow i owe him that if i did anything but that i'd be ingrate i'd be unthankful be selfish and self-centered if i gave my life and saved you from death And I said, I'd like you to come with me to church tonight. What would you say? Okay. After saving my life, I think I can do that. What's God asking us? I'm just saying, let's let's quit playing games. Let's quit pretending. Listen, we're all in the same boat. We're all equally... Bound by flesh, but we're all equally, if we know Christ is our Savior, free to serve. There's no excuse for us not to be everything God intended us to be with the exception that we choose not to be. And that's exactly what Joshua is saying to the people of God. Choose you this day who you'll serve. It is a decision. You'll choose either big G God or you'll choose little g gods. It's up to you. It's your decision. But based on what God's done for you, I would think that you would want to choose Big G. And they said, yes. Will you choose to serve the Lord today? After everything God's done for you. He saved your soul, I trust, I hope. If he hasn't, you need to be saved today. We say saved. What do you mean by saved, preacher? I'm talking about the fact that Jesus Christ literally came to earth 2,000 years ago and hung on a cross. That wasn't just a movie. It happened. He shed his blood. He died in our place. We deserve death and we deserve hell because we are nothing but sinners in our heart and in ourselves. 
but he loved us in spite of the fact that we were wicked and sinful, that we were dreadful and that we were rejecting him. He still said, I love you anyway. He came to earth and he was willing to be crucified. He's willing to be maligned and mistreated. He was willing to be abused and tormented by the very creation that he made. He did it all for us. When he died and shed his blood and paid the penalty for sin, he opened the door of salvation to you and I. We can be saved from our sin because he paid for our sin on Calvary. He died, was buried, and rose again the third day. He did all of that for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be included in his family, so that we could ultimately be in heaven one day, all because of his sacrifice, not because of our goodness, because of his goodness. Saved from our sin. Saved from the consequences of our sin. Saved from ourselves. If you've never been saved, you need to be saved by trusting Him, by calling on the Lord and saying, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for me and I know that I can't get to heaven. I can't have my sin forgiven any other way but through you. You are who I need and you are what I need. Not some religion, not some set of rules. I need you, Jesus. And He will forgive you, save you, into your life but then if you're a child of God it's now a decision big G God or little g gods there is no neutrality one or the other who will you choose to serve who will you lead your family to serve Will you take into consideration that others are watching and will be influenced by your decision to serve the Lord or to serve other gods? Will you consider that? As we begin this new year, may each of us choose to serve the Lord. To allow Him to direct our steps. To allow Him to tell us where to go, when to go, and when to do it. How to speak, what to say, when to say it, what to think, how to think. What we should hear and listen to, where we should go, who we should be with. Will we let him be our master and simply serve him? Big G, God. Or will we allow little G, God's? I hope that we choose the Lord Jesus Christ this year. Maybe this morning you, looking at your life, and as you prepare for 2015, you're saying, you know, I've tried to make good decisions in my life, but I'll have to admit there may be some areas that I've allowed myself to slip some. Why don't you get that right today before we take the next step? Remember, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And the first step to really lead to the destination that God would have for you is to choose to serve Him today. Not partially, but just wholeheartedly. Because there is no place. It's either serving Him or serving them. That's all there is to it. Let's serve the Lord. Let's make that decision ours today. And then we can lead our families into that decision and others will follow. Father, we come to you.